Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to be your best life. Mm -hmm. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I am your host, Dr. Will. Now, today's guest is Tamara Sykes. Went to the website. It's dope for real people. And uh, she she works with uh, entrepreneurs. And I want to ask her about her journey into entrepreneurship and some things that she has on the website, some wording, some, you know, uh, let her expound on those. Because I found some of those, like, very, very interesting. And I wanted her to share uh, her thoughts behind that. So for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify. Will you please introduce yourself, Tamara? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm Tamara Sykes, uh, also known online as Badian Girl. And I basically, I teach entrepreneurs, especially multi-passionate creatives, how to live their best life. And that comes in the form of teaching them blogging and SEO. And then also, you know, sharing some insights into family and style, because obviously we have to wear clothes. We all have family. So that's what I do. Yeah, in a nutshell. Awesome. Now, I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. Mm -hmm. What did you think you would be doing when you were growing up? And what attracted you to entrepreneurship? Uh, <laughs> the question of the century. Um Honestly, I expected myself to probably be like doing hair. That was actually something that I wanted to do, which is, yeah, like I thought I would be a hairstylist, which is so left field from what I do now. Um, but uh, what I actually do now is I teach people. And so I've learned over time that my gift is teaching people how to live their best life and not just do things that are online great, but mostly like you're also helping people online and then also living a life that you actually love offline. So it's been a journey. Uh, why I chose entrepreneurship, my question, like, sorry, not my question, but my answer always is I just want a little bit more control in my life. Um, once I became a mom, I realized that unfortunately the corporate world isn't as uh, flexible as I would love it to be. And so I've enjoyed my journey in that world, but I really wanted something that would give me the opportunity to really do a, I guess, a semblance of work-life balance. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's where entrepreneurship has really helped because I can provide for my family, enjoy what I do, and also be there for the people that I love. So that's why I've chosen that path. Mm. Now you yeah. say you work with the multi-passionate entrepreneur, and yes. I'm one of those people where it has always in my life been difficult for me to sort of find where I should be because I do have such varied interests. So even mm -hmm. now my podcast focuses on educators and entrepreneurs, you know, coming in, mm -hmm. sharing about how do they start their business, how you can, you know, be better at creating your business and your finances and those things. But on this other side, you know, and I have this documentary as well, but on this other side, <laughs> I'm an educational consultant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oof, and I'm yeah. like, okay, they don't quite <laughs> fit work. Yeah, because I'm not going out doing sessions on teaching people how to create a business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm doing some stuff I'm learning, but my expertise is in education. Right. When you're talking to that, multi-passionate entrepreneur and i'm assuming that's you as well yes <laughs> uh, yeah how does someone actually go through the process of figuring out mm -hmm. which entrepreneurial path they should follow right how do they put all of that together yeah it's, honestly it's a great question it's one that i've had to ask myself in my journey i mean i've been blogging for six plus years now and, um, you know, I started out myself as a style, like completely focused on style. And then when I became, you know, I got married and then became a mom, I was just like, how can I not talk about it? Because even my style personally changed to fit 
what I was doing in my life. So then I became more lifestyle. And then about a year ago, I mean, I've been doing SEO and stuff in the background the whole time as a part of what I do for my blog. And so I just started sharing information and then it just kind of ended up in this spot. Um, I think, you know, the best thing I would say, especially when I'm talking to multi-passionate entrepreneurs is like, you have to accept the fact that your niche is basically being multi-passionate. I know like a lot of when, as creatives, when we are looking at things, we think our niche has to be one thing. So we're like always looking down, like it has to be this one path, but your path is actually being multi-passionate. And what has helped me come to terms with that and what I always share with any client who talks to me or even online, honestly, life is that way. It, life is a multi-passionate journey, you know? Um, And so what happens is, is that you as an entrepreneur or a content creator, you're basically just showing the reality of life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, my, my brother gave me a really good explanation that's really helped me where he said, you know, honestly, focusing on one thing seems easier because you can just talk about that one thing in length. Um, and so what we see a lot online is that someone focuses on one thing and it's quicker, like they get to their client quicker. They make money a little bit quicker, not like overnight, but they do make money a lot faster because they're talking about that one thing all the time. And on your mind, you're just like, let's just go to that person for that one thing. Um, but what we're also seeing, especially with COVID happening, what, what I think we're seeing is that a lot of people have a lot of passions. And when you're confined to your home, you start to see like, it's not just that one thing. That one thing is supported by all these other things. And mm-hmm. that's where we're all, honestly, I think we're all multi-passionate. But for those who are like you said, like you, you're doing educational consulting, but then you're also in a, po- a podcast about entrepreneurship and, you know, being creative and enjoying that experience and how to start your business. It really is a matter of like your education consulting is supporting your podcast journey as well. And it really goes hand in hand. So as much as it doesn't fit, like you don't feel like it fits like, you know, puzzle pieces, you know, puzzle pieces have edges, which I consider like the niche. And then you have all the pieces in the middle and it really all works together. It might just not seem as fast as everybody else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what I always share is like, it's, it all fits. It just may not make sense to us as multi-passionate creators, but to everybody else, they're like, oh my gosh, I love this transition. I love this, you know, what you're sharing. I love to see that even for me, like you're teaching SEO, but you're also sharing like as a mom and an entrepreneur, how that's working together because it's, it's not like it's completely separate, you know, it all works together. It all works together. So that's my answer for that one. (laughs) So walk us through the work you do uh, with clients. Uh, Mm -hmm. How do you work with the multi-passionate entrepreneur? Right. (laughs) So uh, I I do it in two ways. Um, I definitely do digital products which is hugely important for people to be able to have that information accessible whenever they need it, you know? So mostly through eBooks, I'm working on courses as well. So people like that to me is the accessible aspect of how I work with clients. But then I also have what I call an ask away call, which is, you know, yes, I'm known for SEO. I'm known for blogging and I will also, you know, have those products, but sometimes people just want to talk to somebody and talk it through. And that ask away call is just an hour where someone has that option to talk through it with me. Um, But it also like having the digital products and as well as that call and probably we'll have coaching in the future. But this is where, again, as a person who also does lifestyle blogging, I know what my bandwidth is as far as, you know, being available for calls. Like, you know, I do want to spend time with my daughter. I do want to spend time with my family. So I mix both to allow that balance in my actual personal life and also be, you know, available and accessible for people who may want to go like a more talkative, like, Hey, I want to talk to you, work through an option. And so sometimes my coaching calls aren't SEO focused at all, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it's just someone saying like, how do I decide on this brand partnership? And we end up walking through, you know, my experience as an influencer and content creator and how I've created decision framework for when I'm going to work with a brand or not. Like, it's not always SEO focused, but I like having that piece there when I'm working with clients too. So they have someone they can talk to, you know, just grab wine, talk to them, be cool. 
So yeah, that's how I work with clients right now. And you mentioned, you just mentioned about sort of your personal bandwidth. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people, you know, like a Gary Vee, for example, mm-hmm. and others who are like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, which is a morbid way of looking at it, but they're right, like, right. you know, like just work, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. Uh, and for me, I, one, don't have it in me, you know, because yeah. I like kicking back with the wife and I like Netflix and Hulu and all those things. Correct. Correct. Um, I just don't want to be on all the time. Listen, yeah. When, yeah. when, <laughs> when you are working with a client, Mm-hmm. And you're talking about, you know, how do you live your best life or live your life that is defined by you and mm-hmm. not by what other people outside may say, or yep. even family members who may think, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, look, yeah. you're, you're, you're 35 years old, you have a master's degree, you should be here or there, mm-hmm. or this should be looking, or, you know, even you, you, or even if you're looking at your bank account and it's, your zeros are not where they need to be. And yeah, <laughs> all of these influences are there, right? When yep. you're talking to them, what is that conversation like in getting them to define for themselves what they exactly want? It's a very vulnerable conversation. I mean, you know, in, especially with, I mean, we always kind of make social media the villain. I don't think it's a villain, but I will say as what we see online, we are seeing what someone else, like you said, sees as successful for them. And so it's very rare that someone can look at that and be like, oh, that's their success. What is it for me? Like that decision framework is, is not talked about a lot. So it becomes a very vulnerable conversation. Like I've had to sometimes tell clients like, look, you may want this big brand to work with you if you're from an influencer perspective, or you may want to put out 10 pieces of content a month, but you really, really, really like sit and like look at me and tell me what exactly you want. Because if it's zeros in your bank account, there are multiple different ways to get more zeros in your bank account. You don't have to necessarily do what I'm even doing, you know? Um, which is hard for people to hear because they're like, shouldn't you tell me like to do what you're doing? I'm like, no, because my success is completely defined by like, can I, you know, like for me, it's, can I go to Barbados, like go home when I, to see my family? Can I spend time with my daughter? Um, you know, am I having moments where I'm crying and my daughter's crying and later was just crying? Cause those happen. And she's like feeling she's competing with the computer. Like, is my marriage going to be strained? Like those are actual questions. And it almost feels like, you know, that's what I, I share that with them to be like, look, this is how I'm defining my success. You need to sit and think about like, it's a process of what is actually going to make you happy because having more clothes sent to you for free is not, may not make you happy. If you feel like you can't pay your rent, you know what I mean? Having more people retweet you. is awesome. You know, I love a viral tweet. It's great. But like, if you're so focused on just getting that viral tweet and you're not selling any of your products, then what is the point? Like, you have to tell me what that point is. And a lot of times I think, you know, I will say when we have that conversation, what I've seen a lot of my clients do is just breathe for the first time. They're like, oh, okay. Like, I don't have to. I'm like, no, like I, again, a lot of people in the, like when I'm talking about my lifestyle aspect of my, you know, business and my brand, I, for example, today, I'm going to have a photo shoot. I do one photo shoot a month and try to get all my photos in because my husband is not a photographer and I'm not forcing him to be a photographer. Like that's just a choice. Like he, this is not his thing. Now, if he comes in every once in a while, we're cool, but like, it's just not his thing. And that is a decision I had to make for my happiness i'm not gonna strain my own marriage to the point that like everyone is happy about the pictures and the likes and all this stuff but like i'm sitting at home with someone who's like you're forcing me to do this you know so like i really have to share those personal stories in that conversation and get really vulnerable Mm -hmm. and say like these this is how i'm making decisions whether you're married, whether you're not, whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids, like you said, if it's just like you want to have time to sit and watch Netflix or kick it back with your partner or kick, you know, kick it back with just yourself. I mean, me time is also a big thing. Then that really informs your path. Like 
like I said earlier with my personal bandwidth, I know that like I can only do, you know, coaching calls on weekends. And even then I only have two slots available each day because I know like what kind of, you know, strain it could put on my family time, you know, and that's how I did it. Could I make more money by being available all week? Absolutely. But I would also lose sleep. I'd be more irritable. I'd like be snapping at people. My ment I know my personal mental health would be low because when you're a teacher, you also like, at least for me, I'm an introvert. So like, I also know I need my me time even from my own family. So like all these things, I think it's a really a huge conversation about self-awareness. You really, and a lot of people don't feel like that's part of the conversation right now. So it's almost like <laughs> I'm a little bit of a counselor in that situation. Cause I'm like, I want you to be self-aware. I don't want you to tell me what you think that another person who you look up to wants to hear. I want you to be self-aware about this decision. And so, cause that's your why. And that's, what's going to motivate you when you have down times great times or you're just not you know you're not sure what the heck you're doing <laughs> it's like you have to be self-aware it is the key and that you know that conversation it's tough but it's a it's one that very vulnerable and like a lot of us all have to have you know mm. yeah it's a deep I one hear you. i hear you and that's something that i have definitely been working on and listening you mm -hmm. know to because I've heard so many people say that action gives you clarity. And when I first heard it, it was kind of like, okay, I hear it. But <laughs> until this past, these past five months, I've been yeah. pretty much working from the house. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I have loved it. Oh my goodness. I have never loved my job more than I have these past five months. That's and, amazing. And I have been, you know, primarily, you know, working with teachers on, you know, how do they teach online? Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been, of course, from the house and I have told people that work, I've told my wife, look, I said, I need a lifestyle job. I need yeah. to work. <laughs> I need to work with house. I told them before the COVID. But, yeah. But when I got home, I was like, well, Am I really cut out for it? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But after yeah. these five months, I can tell you right now, and I have <laughs> made my I've made my declarations on Twitter <laughs> that I am in love with teaching teachers how to teach online and teaching online, mm -hmm. and I am determined this year to work myself into a career that I can do this from home. Yeah, yeah. So my time with my school district is coming. It's winding down. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I love the people that I work with, and I cannot believe I'm saying this out loud uh, <laughs> and, and record it. I love the people that I work with. I love my job. Mm -hmm. I feel blessed to have my job. I, I, mm -hmm. I, you know, all that good stuff. But, you know, just like there are teachers who have worked with our districts who are currently, who had gotten to a point to where they said, I, I am no longer here in the classroom. I need to become an academic coach. I need yeah. to become a content specialist. I need to become an administrator or mm -hmm. even people in our own central office who at one time who were principals who said, I have come to the end of my road mm -hmm. as a school administrator. I need to go to central office to do X, Y, and Z because there's different roles for me to conquer different yep. things for me to do. I have come to that point mm -hmm. now. I have yep. yet to finish what I started with this job. Mm -hmm. um, so this year, I'm definitely really focusing on, on bringing some different aspects to working Yay. with teachers. Yeah. But sure. I see it on, on the horizon. I see, I see that move <laughs> for me to roll out. Yeah. A yeah. And it, it, it just it it hit me. And yep. it really hit me yesterday because I had to put some clothes on to leave and go <laughs> hey look it's a great catalyst for change right there and i was like yep I, listen i feel you know that i was like okay let me get this mask yeah uh it was yeah. just it, it at that point it hit me it's like okay i i know it's it's it's, it's it, it, it it's it like yep okay, it mm -hmm. is. yeah People often, and then again, like it just hit me. And then once it hit me, I started to really look back over these five, these five past months and go, Ooh, 
okay, some insights kind of jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you are working with people, right, and you're, you're having those conversations, because you mentioned about being self-aware. Mm-hmm. And once people, that epiphany hits them. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, what's next, right? At mm-hmm. The next step for them next, how do they then sort of look at the problems that they should be solving in their business? That's a, whew, I love this question. Um, I, th- I would say like the first thing that happens is that they're like free. Mm. There's like a freedom from that point on about the problem. Um, it's like, oh, I can solve this problem any way that I want to. Yes. Yes, you can. I think, you know, blueprints are great. Like even when I share SEO tips, I'm sharing what I've done. I'm sharing the blueprint that I've used, you know, and honestly, I can only talk about the blueprint that's worked for me. But I think what happens is like, it's almost like, I hate to say it this way, but it's the best way. It's an employee mindset. We've all learned to look at the blueprint of somebody else and be like, that's the only way to do it. Mm. And so when you get to that point of the self-awareness, people are like, oh, I can solve this any way I want. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you can. You don't have to do it how, you know, the person that you look up to did it. I mean, yes, take the principles and adapt it to your situation if you've seen it working. But like, there is still a chance, there's still a 50-50 chance that it will not work for you. Um, and I remember having this conversation with someone about a collaboration they weren't sure about. And I was just like, look, just hearing all these terms here, let's talk about these terms in the collaboration that's presented to you. This is what it means. What you have to do now is decide, do I want the exposure and the fame and the applause for that I'm working with this brand? Or like when you're at home at night and no one, like you're not talking to me, your followers don't see you. Um, you know, all of every, all the stuff that everyone would see on the external and you're at home and you have to create this content, you need to decide, is it, you're going to be miserable or are you going to be excited? Like literally that is the, you got to think about it. And I remember she was just like, honestly, I'm, I'd be miserable. I'm like, well, there you go. So you can go back and respond to this brand and say like, here's where, here's, I want this, I would like this, I would like this, because you still want to work with them in this, you know, influencer situation. But like, you have to decide, like, am I going to feel, you know, even if I have to stay up to 3am, am I going to love it? Or am I going to hate it? And then also feel like I'm not being paid enough for it. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, for you, it's like, you had to put clothes on and go, out. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, no, it just, I, I think every time we get to that point, which is funny, because it feels as if I'm being a therapist in a way, like a business therapist, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, get to that self-aware point, and then we can talk about the problem. Because most of the time, when they're looking at the problem, they're thinking, I have to be like X person. I have to do it like X way. I have to do it this way. And it's like, no, that solution may not work for you. There's an infinite amount of solutions on this planet. Infinite amount. So like every time we have that conversation, the next thing is like, oh, wow, that's freeing. Whew, okay, well, <laughs> now I'm looking at the problem. I can, oh, I now, ha- now I have ideas. I feel like that's when the genius comes out of people. Like that's when I start seeing their own creative genius because it's now theirs. It's not anybody else's. It's coming from deep down within them. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah. I, I sometimes I feel like I'm just facilitating <laughs> the genius. I'm not really answering. You know, I feel like sometimes I'm just like, is this really a thing? But, you know. I'm facilitating them walking in their own genius. And that's what happens every time because they're freer. They don't Mm. feel anymore. Like that burden of having to be what everyone else sees is just like gone. And that's what happens next. And then I just, you know, some of them I still, you know, I follow and I'm just, I just see them flourish and I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. That's all right. So. (sighs) You're ready, you're free, you mm-hmm. know what problem you're going to solve. Mm-hmm. And but now you got to know, well, how am I going to get there? How am I going to solve it? There's right. different, you know, so many ways to create a business. I mean, you could yeah. sell your services to another business. You could sell your services to individuals mm-hmm. via coaching, uh, courses, yep. masterminds. Yep. subscription models, yep. um, 
you become a, a public speaker where right now, you know, you can get that vi- that virtual speaking going on. Your money's all right. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're not traveling anywhere. But there's a lot of Listen. ways that you can go out there and make your money. Mm-hmm. H- how does someone determine which business model is going to be the best for them? Yeah, it... It goes back. I mean, I feel like I keep saying this, but it does go back to that self-awareness. Um, for me, I remember being in that spot myself saying like, you know, you can do all like all the solutions you mentioned. I can do all these things. And like for me, I was just like, okay, like what exactly do I want here? Um, you know, I kind of always go back to my dream of like, I want to work nine months out of the year and then spend three months in Barbados and chill. <laughs> just so Okay. Yeah, no, seriously. That's like a goal of mine is like, I just, cause I know for me, like I am so aware after like trial and error, but I'm so aware of like when I burn out that like, I'm just like, I just need that kind of time before I come back, you know, and start like pouring into others. And so when you're designing your business model, it really becomes, it's seriously self-awareness. You have to get to that point of like, when do I burn out? What kind of schedule can I, can I create? Um, how much work is it going to take? Like uh, a really good example is like TV shows. I use this analogy a lot. Um, with TV shows, they obviously have seasons and then they go on breaks. Um, and then they also know like, we're going to put out an episode every, you know, Tuesday at nine for everyone to watch it. And then they go on, like, then they're like, okay, at the same time, we might have to be doing auditions, but auditions are more in the background. Right. And so you know, the audience sees you doing all these things, but you still have background work to do. And as a, you know, when, as a production, they know when those times have to happen. Um, As a creator, as a business owner, you have to know that some people, for some people, it's like, I'm going to put out content, you know, three weeks out of the month. And then that month, like the end of the month, a week, I'm going to focus on operations for some people, I'm going to do Q1 and Q3, and then I just take some time around there. But if you're going to create money, for example, you can say, am I going to do a subscription business? Which subscription businesses are awesome. I've worked in them even in my career. And But the thing about subscription businesses is that you have to put out content consistently because you have to constantly provide value. But if your bandwidth, personal, emotional, mental is not set up for that, that's not the choice for you. Um, Digital products are amazing because it's residual income. I mean, subscriptions are residual income too, but again, different types of work required to Mm -hmm. be successful in those business models. And so that's how someone should choose. Um, What is the work? And am I committed to that work? It's a great question too. (laughs) Like, are you committed to doing the work to make that successful? Because I think a big misunderstanding I've seen, I've even had this own, you know, this misunderstanding is that if I go do this, it'll, I'll get money faster. Not really a thing. You, you will get the money as fast as you're doing the work. So whatever model you choose as an entrepreneur, your mindset has to be, am I committed to the work required? So when you do that, you know, I'm sorry. When you do that, I think um, that's what that's what will help you decide on what business model that you really want to do, because then you know that again you have your why, you have your you understand your bandwidth, and you're committed to doing the work. I don't want anyone listening today or anyone who like I work with to ever think that okay now I'm self aware, I'm free, and it's just going to be easy. You know, it's doable. That's what we need to get to that word. It's doable. Can I do it? Am I committed to doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how you choose your business model. What is doable for you? All right. Now on your yeah. Twitter, uh, <laughs> yeah. you have this pinned tweet. And mm-hmm. I'm going to paraphrase this, but yes. you're basically, you know, telling black creatives, mm-hmm. you were dope before, uh, I guess this whole Black Lives Matter thing popped up and all these companies started going like, we want to work with black people, we want to black mm-hmm. people. You, yeah. you know, so basically saying you were dope before people tried to, you know, like recognizing you, you know, you don't know. Yep. Yep. And, you know, there's, you know, my audience, you know, they're educators and, mm-hmm. you know, most of us go to the field 
with this mindset and this personality of giving, giving, giving. We don't talk about money. We yeah. have limited salaries and we'll still know we have kids who don't bring pencil and paper. So we go buy pencil and paper. Mm -hmm. um, we'll yep. buy scissors and glue. We, we may know, you know, I have some kids who, you know, around two o'clock or whatever, they may need a snack. They may not have anything. I, I'll go into my own pocket. I go buy chips and stuff so I can provide a little, little something, something for my kids. Mm -hmm. And so the whole idea of charging. So even, even when you get over the hump of I'm going to start a business yeah, as opposed to giving away my stuff for free, the, yeah. then the whole idea of charging becomes an issue because again, in your mindset, you go, Ooh, I can't charge this much. Yeah. Oh gosh. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I can't charge this much, you know, like you can go online and see some people easily. Oh, here's my course on such and such and such $5,000. Yeah. Don't even yeah. blink an eye over that $5,000. Oh yeah. Uh, whereas some people are like, my course is, um, $35.99. Cause they can't even in their mind fathom charging $5,000. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how, how does someone, sort of figure out the pricing, but, and do so in a way where not, not only can they get their value from it, right? So they know, mm -hmm. understand their value, but some people again may have sort certain, I don't want to necessarily say a moral code. Yeah. Per se, Values. But, but in their mind, yes, in their mind, they're thinking, I want to provide this value. So I'm not going to charge $5,000 because that means so many other people cannot get yeah. this information. So yep. when people are taking into account their values, their mission, yeah. um, even the fact that, okay, I got, I got to make some coin from this. Mm -hmm. How does someone begin to determine their prices? <laughs> this is a, this is a real one. This is a real question. Ah, um, yay. Okay. So, um, this is a tough one because I know right now there's always this conversation of premium prices versus accessible prices and like charging too low versus charging enough. <sighs> this is a question, y'all. This is a question. Um, okay. I'm always going to be honest and transparent, but this is another vulnerable one. Um, it's one that I've had to myself really, really like power through. Um, I have cried about this question actually, because it's a tough one. Um, how do you juggle making sure that you can live versus people accessing it? And it's also a question that's honestly a real one when it comes to how, like COVID right now, because we know unemployment is high, layoffs are happening all the time. Um, maybe someone was depending on that, you know, full-time career income to be able to invest in their business, which is absolutely commendable. It's a hard one. Um, <laughs> so how do you choose your pricing in this situation? What I've come down to at this point is that you have to really be connected to your why. Mm. If your why is to help people from all backgrounds um, learn what you're teaching or you know, have access to what you're selling, and that could be anything honestly you can sell anything so i'm not just going specifically to services or products as we know it in our head but like if your why is to sell to everybody you probably need to choose a walmart model that's the best way i can explain it when you go into a walmart for example you walk in you know like i feel like all of us ex like have a certain understanding what type of products we're going to be buying and also what the price point is going to be right when you walk into a Target, it's a little different. You have an expectation of the quality. You have an expectation of the pricing. You know there's going to be a range in both situations, but the type of product is completely different. Now, if you walk into, you know, a Whole Foods or even Giant Eagle, right? Love all these places, but you don't expect to get the same pricing as you would in Target or Walmart. 
And right now in the entrepreneur space, I think everyone thinks pricing has to be either or. Not really. It can be a mixture. Um, I've seen uh, a great, a great example, and I have to shout her out for this, is Carmen Kay. She's a web designer and a design strategist, and she's on Twitter. And I love how she has her business set up. She does have premium pricing. Like, she has it there. But then she created two other products at different price points to make it more accessible to um, her clients. So this one is subscription. You know, one is more like, here's, a, here's this course, like a mini course. You will get everything you need. And with it comes like this Facebook group coaching. So she's learned to like, you always see that Venn diagram, balance what they need, balance what she needs, and then connect it in the middle. And that's not always one price. You can take it and say, I'm going to have a premium price, a medium price, and a very, very accessible price, an affordable price. And you can still make a lot of money because you're hitting all three points. It's kind of like how fashion businesses sometimes knock off themselves. <laughs> it's that concept. So I think when you're, not I think, I know when you're choosing your pricing, consider your needs, your audience's needs, and who the audience is too, target audience work, and then find the middle ground and know that you can have three options. You can have two options, or you can even say, you know what? I just wanna work with premium people and that's it. But you, you know, think about what you need. Like for me, like I said earlier, I know for me, like having time away from the business is super important. Having time with myself, having time with my family is important. Um, having time to read a book is important. So I've structured my products for that. But, you know, like now my SEO book is $10 and I'm okay with it. I'm okay. But yeah, when I drop a course, it's going to be higher because I know how much work I'm putting into it. But the thing is, is that the person who may need some sort of help can still have that SEO book or they can still have time with me and it's still affordable. Maybe they won't have it all written down, you know, in my wording, but mm -hmm. there's access points. So when you're thinking of pricing, think of access points. Think of who your audience is. A lot of my audience is not just a multi-passionate creative. They're also like working moms. I mean, you got to pay daycare. <laughs> you got to pay daycare. You know, at that point, you're also thinking of how do I like go get my nails done or do my hair as well as pay for my business? You know, there's, there's, those are real life questions. So, you know, I've myself have cried over that one because it's hard. I'm like, yeah, I can get to 10,000 10, months faster from charging $1,000 for something. But I also know a lot of creators who are married and have kids, have kids not married. Again, all different life you know, situations and life context. And like, I got to think about, you know, if that's who I'm talking to, if I'm talking about self-awareness, I can't put out a price point that's not self-aware. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So pricing, I think, again, think of your needs, your audience needs, and then find the common denominators there. And because when you know your needs and you know their needs, you can find options. And I think, you know, if anyone, even though it's not my website, I would definitely say go look at Carmen Kay's uh, website. And literally that that's a great, great example of pricing and knowing that you can still touch all three points and still make money. Mm. So let's jump into SEO. Yes. <laughs> um, I have had... Like, I really, I don't understand it at all. Like, I understand. I, I, understand. I can, look, I, I have a podcast interview on YouTube mm -hmm. that has over 2,000 views, which for mm -hmm. me is high. That's amazing. For one. Well, thank you. Yeah. I got another one that's like there too. But then I got these over here. I'm like, it's the same material. But got 60 views. Yep, it happens. It happens. Like, what is going on? The same <laughs> thing with my podcast shows. Mm -hmm. The topic is always the same. Yeah. For the most part. But I can go in and look at my analytics and I go, oh, I had a, a thousand download week. And then you go, this other week, I had a $3,000, download, a 300 download week. I'm like, it's the same material. Like, what? Am I not doing with my tags mm. or the titles? What am I not? What what am I doing? What am I not doing consistently? Like what's going on? Right. <laughs> that 
is it is it is it my guests like is it their following like what is going on mm. to where i have the disparities where it's not a consistent thousand download mm-hmm. how do what's this what is this seo thing how do people <laughs> figure this out yeah so i mean seo whew, there's, a, there's a lot going on with seo uh i think the biggest reason why of a lot of i would say it's like the knowledge isn't as well known is because it's usually very technical like everyone's kind of talking it with it in this like technical air so it's kind of like oh gosh I don't know what that's about like mm -mm, that's not for me um so like that's where I come in is I'm taking it from technical to like everyday language because we use it every day the other misconception about SEO unfortunately is that I think a lot of people think if I use this SEO consistently like I use these best practices that I'm going to see downloads consistently. Whereas if you use a tool called Google Trends, which basically is a way to see what keywords are being searched a lot at the time, um, you realize that people search for things based on when they need it. Mm. So with SEO, it's very much a thing that you have posted one thing at one time and it wasn't really a hot topic, basically. Um, even if you had the right guests, that guest had the right following, like you could check all those boxes. If no one's searching for it at that moment, it's going to be a little bit lower, mm-hmm. but then you may have repurposed that content at a different time. It could be the next week, the next day. It could be <laughs> but a different time, different time of the day, if you want to take it that way. And basically now everyone's like, yes, I've been looking for this. Absolutely. And they just kind of like, whoop, it spikes. Mm. Um, that's why when we say website traffic, again, website traffic is based on the user. That's where SEO is very confusing with social media. The user's always there looking for your content. And that's why social media is amazing. But with a website and website traffic, it really, really depends on the person who needs your answer. So I always explain SEO as you are answering a question that someone has the part that's really not thought about is that you have to wait for the person to ask that question Mm. for them to find you um which is very frustrating as a business owner as a content creator because you're like i'm putting out this content but like i'm talking to the wall kind of unfortunately but like again you have to wait for that person your ideal audience to ask the question you're answering you know it's a problem you know you have the answer and you know you have the solution but they haven't asked the question yet so that is where seo is a bit of more of a long-term strategy because you have to wait for it to actually become top of mind to your audience for example a lot of i've written content that was very 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 valuable but like it hasn't really taken off as far as traffic till two years later it's hap- it happens to me a lot so like you know people listen to me now about the seo but like i've been laying that groundwork for six years <laughs> and sometimes i share like i mean i've shared i think what it was was i shared content about um how i did a long distance gender reveal for my daughter and i've told people about that like way before covid happened but when I shared it on, during COVID, it was like, oh, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm just like, yeah, I've had that content there <laughs> this whole time. And now it spiked because it's like, you know, I did it out of a personal, you know, my family, like I have family lives in Barbados. My husband's family lives in Pennsylvania. And like trying to get them all in one space is a lot of money. It's a lot of time. You know, schedules don't always work together. But when I shared it during COVID, it had a lot more value than it did at the time and so that's what what it is it's like it yes we can sit you know when i'm talking about seo and even my books we can sit and talk about like making the title the best options and following all the best practices for seo and like all this stuff but again you are waiting on the user to look for that information and um like right now you know having black owned business in your bio, on your website, in your meta description, which is that little, you know, paragraph underneath your URL and search results, having it there will make you buku money. Mm. But a lot of people I've, you know, I've seen this happen before is like when that was kind of looked down on by society, putting that there could have cost you money. 
because you saying I'm a black owned business, as we can see today, everyone's like, oh, there's options, there's different people, there's black owned businesses that do this. That may not have been a thing, you know, pre COVID, to be honest. <laughs> wow. You know, but like people have seen, I got to pull up the stat here because literally people have seen like multiples amounts of traffic when it comes to putting black owned business in their bio now or saying they're a black owned business. But again, not, it's not a shaming thing. If you looked maybe five months ago, pre COVID or pre any, you know, what's going on right now, racial justice, you, and they they would probably have lost business being that upfront about their stance. So, because people would have been like, oh, that's just not, no. So that's what, you know, when it comes to SEO, that's a huge misconception. I'm actually writing a blog post about that today. It's like, you have to really depend on the user to be looking for it. It's almost like tweets trending. That's mm -hmm. the same concept. That's what Google Trends does. It shows you what are people searching for right now. And the topic you might have to talk about same information, but just different timing. And that just happens. But the beauty of SEO is that when you write it, even when it's not trending, when someone then goes to look for it and the whole world is now paying attention, like if you think about teaching online, that might've been a really hard topic to talk about five months ago. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But now that you are, um, now that you are basically doing that and everyone's really interested about that now during COVID, if you already have the content there, it's already well positioned for people to find. And that's the beauty of SEO. It's like now you have everyone being like, oh, oh. And so mm. now you don't have to play catch up. That's why it's a long-term strategy. Because short-term, you can just talk what everyone's talking about. But with SEO, it's long-term. Like you're putting the answers out there, but you have to wait for someone to ask the question to find that answer. You can't like take their hand and be like, <laughs> you know, type it. So I'm so serious. I've had this conversation with clients before. Like I can't take someone's hand and force them to look for that question. You know what I mean? You have to wait for them to get to that point. And that's the tough part. Sorry. What do you, what do you find? What is trending on Google? Where do you find that information? Google trends. So Google trends is a, like, if you literally go to google.com and put in Google trends, it's a free resource that Google offers. Um, and when you go in there, it'll show you automatically, like, I'm going to pull it up right now, actually. You can literally see right away what um, anyone's looking for right this second. And you can, you can drill it down to um, city. Wow. Yeah, country. Um, I also have, uh, my dad actually sent me one where, like, he showed me that during COVID, um, you know, people stopped looking for style or clothes or anything like that. Like, it dropped, like again, I wish I had it pulled up right away, but like huge percentages. And then like the, in Columbus, Ohio specifically, which is where I am, um, the search for parks went up, like skyrocketed, like 400%. And you're like, what? But like, again, those parks all had websites the whole time. <laughs> it's just no one was interested. Um, so like right now it like on, on Google Trends, it's showing that protest for racial equality and justice is the high, one of the highest searches right now. Wow. Yeah, and it shows you, like, it breaks it down to police, like, specifically searching for police, specifically searching for protests, specifically searching for Minneapolis, you know, and um, the other one, which I wouldn't have known, is curfew. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then it also shows that in the last 12 months, the other... Um, highlight which this can happen if you see like months like are dedicated to certain causes or like mm -hmm. you know this is pride month right or sorry is it yeah my bad june was pride month but it's still you know going on as we can see and so right now like lgbtq pride month is still a search but then it breaks it down into what specific keywords are being searched like same-sex marriage gender all all this stuff so if you want to go here, you can even search and see what states are maybe talking about it. Like I can go in here and put SEO and it'll be like, okay, sorry, it's loading, but it'll show me that term, just that term or that keyword right now is, you know, it's being okay. It's like the actual interest of it is rising. The highest point so far was in like probably January. Let me see. Yep. January 12th to the 18th of 2020 was the highest search for that term. And then by region, they're like New York, 
the state of New York is looking at this term a lot, the District of Columbia, Connecticut, Nevada, New Jersey. I mean, it just keeps going on, but wow. I could spend a whole time, but it's a free resource that Google offers, like absolutely free. So I would stress to anyone, go look at it, type in any you know keyword or question that you have, and you can see how many people are looking at it right now. And that changes over time, all the time. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, so before we go, I want to talk about sort of rejection and self-doubt mm. uh, because, <laughs> you know, whether it's, you know, people losing their jobs because of COVID or you creating your business and you putting yourself out there yeah. and you're not seeing the traction you think you're supposed to get from clients, mm -hmm. the money's not coming in, you're not getting the leads. Um, yeah. Or for those people who are listening to this podcast and they have a nine to five and they're not even thinking about creating a side hustle, which I believe in multiple streams of income. So you're going to have to yes. get over that. Yes. But the, the whole idea of I, I'm trying to get this promotion, but I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. I wrote this, this grant to do this research. I didn't get it. Mm hmm how do you deal with rejection and self-doubt and continue to stay focused on what you can do? Yeah. Yeah. I really love these questions, by the way. <laughs> You're hitting on all the stuff that I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is my past year. <laughs> um, a huge thing I've learned about self-doubt cause I have it too. I mean, we all, have experienced rejection and also been like, uh, am I really called to do this? Cause it's hard, right? We have to know our worth outside of that thing. And I can't claim that I'm the person that came up with that. I feel like when I've been going to therapy, that's really helped me separate it. Um, because a lot of times we get really caught up in our roles. So like, you know, I could list all my roles. I'm a mom, I'm a wife. I'm, you know, you know, you know me as a content creator, you know me as an SEO teacher. Like you just keep, you can keep talking about roles. And, but it's Tamara attached to all those things. Is Tamara's worth defined by what happens in all those things? If I don't get the promotion, if I don't get the pay, if I get rejected from a job interview, because job hunting itself, not even just now, but like before is like, that's where all the feelings come up right there. Um, you know, is my worth attached to this? It doesn't mean that you're not going to have the self-doubt and feeling the rejection, but you have to, there is a point in that, I guess, grieving process around those things that you have to say like, okay, is this going to define me? Does this determine my worth as a person? Does this determine my value? Um, and that's what keeps you going, honestly. I mean, like Cardi B had said at one point, she said, it took me 10 years to get here. And that's something that I ask myself or tell myself a lot or like re reference is that it took Cardi B 10 years. She was the same person the entire time. But did we think or know of her as the dope person she is now? Like as she is today? No, which is why that tweet that we referenced earlier was so important for me to say because it's just like, content creators, like black content creators, business owners, we've always been dope. We've always been amazing. We've always had this knowledge. We've always had this value, but I'm pretty sure a lot of us have just doubted if we should even be in this because no one was recognizing us. And sometimes that recognition is absolutely validating. And like, I've told my therapist is like, you know, I just want to be like, I want my flowers. Like, why can't I just give me my flowers now? But if we look at like a lot of the greats, I, when I'm in this space, I tend to go watch a lot of documentaries because it helps me get my mind back on track. Mm. Um, a lot of the greats, a lot of people that we value now, you think about Martin Luther King, right? He was hated. He was, no one was like putting his, you know, quotes on their status and like, quote, no one was doing that, okay? So like when you're, 
when you're still great, no matter the recognition. And that's literally something that I have to tell myself every time I get to this, the self-doubt. I, I've seen it happen in my own business where I've tweeted things and they don't get much traction. And then like six months later, everyone's like, was that tweet that you said? I'm like, <laughs> listen, the lowest likes, the lowest retweets you can ever think. So it's just like your content, it still matters. You still matter. You are dope now as you are. Put it on a sticky note. I have like sticky notes next to my bed that keep like remind me of this. Um, that's how I deal with it. I also have notes on my phone. I have quotes that I save on my phone. Like I said, I go watch documentaries of like mm. of the greats to just get me back in that mindset. Like, I mean, some of my favorites are like Usain Bolt. He has one on Netflix, you know, Caribbean, love him. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I go watch these documentaries because it reminds me that all of these artists and um, creatives that we love now, celebrities, like they weren't always recognized for their greatness, but it didn't mean they weren't great back then. Maybe their, you know, production has gotten better and it looks, you know, nicer and shinier and I guess perfect to us, but like they were still doing it this whole time. And so that's where, when we have the self-doubt and, the re and we receive the rejection, like you mentioned, like I wrote this proposal for this grant and it still got rejected and all those things. It's really important to not let it be a define like a defining moment of your value mm. maybe it wasn't the time maybe that door closed for a reason or maybe they just didn't see your value and that's just that's just their problem <laughs> <laughs> you know because there is that but like it doesn't take away from the value that you're putting out there and it's back that's why i love seo so much because it's such a great example of that concept is that sometimes when you put the awesomeness that you are and that you are delivering out there, people just aren't ready. And you can't force them to see it yet. Mm. But it does not determine that what you put out there is not awesome and amazing and dope. You're almost like waiting. A lot of greats, that's what happened. They were waiting for the world to catch up to their greatness. And that, that's, that's how I deal with it. It doesn't mean that I don't feel all the feelings. That's one thing my therapist said. You got to feel all the feels, cry it out, get mad, feel like you're giving up. Yeah, you need to feel all of those. I hope for everyone listening that at the end of the day, the month, the year, that your conclusion gets to the point of, I'm still awesome. People just mm. don't know. Mm. Yeah. She making money moves. <laughs> yeah, listen, she was making money moves the whole 10 years, okay? The whole 10, I mean, it's like the, when, I mean, that's, when she said that, I was like, Cardi, thank the Lord. I mean, because, you know, there's also recognizable people that we can identify with, but literally any great, pick someone that you look up to and go watch a documentary about them or something like that. You think about Rihanna, because we're Bajan, you know, and love this, love her. She, we knew her as music, but she, Listen, she had the thought for that, for Fenty Beauty and Fenty and like all the lines of Fenty for years. I'm sure she, that was what she wanted to do from day one. But music became the avenue and she, no one knew that she, like she knew she had that greatness inside of her. She knew that. We didn't know. We didn't see it, you know? But sometimes people, like a lot of the greats, we think of artists like Picasso, like we did they were not in shrines and museums when they were alive, which, which you know, we don't want to wait till we're gone. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you're still awesome. It's just that don't, don't let it define that you're not awesome, that you're not valuable, that you haven't been dope this whole time. Like I said, with black content creators, that's something that definitely has happened. You know, like, okay, now all these brands want to work with me. You were still dope the whole time. They're just now seeing it. And that's their personal problem. Mm. I hear you, people. Hashtag <laughs> Black Money Matters. Yes. Uh, I believe in that coin for real. Yeah, they, for sure. My educated friends, some, I know they joke about it sometimes. They're like, yeah, will in that coin because I tell them, um, don't give it away for free when you can charge a fee. Uh, yep. So yep. Uh, thank you to Mayor for coming on. No problem. No problem. It was, a, it was absolutely a pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Now, people... You know how I do this. This podcast episode will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify. 
I need you to subscribe, follow, leave your comments. I like the stars, people. They look good. But can a brother get some ratings, some reviews? Because I'm trying to be found and I'm trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, hey. I'd like to thank my guest, Tamira Sykes, for coming on and dropping so many gems. And thanking you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. We are getting close to episode 400. That episode has already been recorded. And it's just waiting. It's going to be Sarah Fontenot. I'm so excited, people. Thank you all again for checking it out. I appreciate y'all for all the, the downloads and vibes. As always, people, invest in you. EDU. Peace.